0: How do we learn? Although times may change, some concepts stay the same unchanging. Information outlasts the body. It's stored in our brain but can be passed down from generation to generation. Our brain is capable of synthesizing the diverse set of inputs we call our five senses and from them creating a hierarchy of concepts. If we're lucky, we can learn a task while being supervised by a teacher directly. While interacting with our environment, we can feel our surroundings, see our obstacles and try to predict the next steps. If we try at first and fail, that's okay. Through the process of trial and error, we can learn anything. But what is it that gives our brain this special capability unlike anything else in nature? Everything we've ever experienced or felt, all our thoughts and memories, our very sense of self, is produced by the brain. At the molecular level, our brain consists of an estimated 100 billion nerve cells called neurons. Each neuron has three jobs, receive a set of signals from what are called its dendrites, integrate those signals together to determine whether or not the information should be passed on in the cell body, or soma, and then if the sum of the signals passes a certain threshold, send this resulting signal, called the action potential, onwards via its axon to the next set of neurons. Hello world, it's Siraj, and we're going to build our own neural network in Python. The rules that govern the brain give rise to intelligence. It's the same algorithm that invented modern language, space flight, Shia LaBeouf. It's what makes us us. It's what's allowed us to survive and thrive on planet Earth. But as far as we've come as a species, we still face a host of existential threats to our existence. There's the impending threat of climate change, the possibility of biochemical warfare, an asteroid impact. These are non-trivial problems that could take our biological neural networks many generations to solve. But what if we could harness this power? What if we could create an artificial neural network and have it run on a non-biological substrate like silicon? We could give it more computing power and data than any one human would be capable of handling and have it solve problems a thousand or even a million times faster than we could alone. In 1943, two early computer scientists named Warren McCulloch and Walter Pitts invented the first computational model of a neuron. Their model demonstrated a neuron that received binary inputs, summed them, and if the sum exceeded a certain threshold value, output a 1. If not, output a 0. It was a simple model, but in the early days of AI, this was a big deal and got computer scientists talking about the possibilities. A few years later a psychologist named Frank Rosenblatt was frustrated that the McCulloch-Pitts model still lacked the mechanism for learning so he conceived a neural model that built on their idea which he called the perceptron which is another word for a single layer feed-forward neural network. We call it feed-forward because the data just flows in one direction forward. The perceptron incorporated the idea of weights on the inputs. So given some training set of input output examples, it should learn a function from it by increasing or decreasing the weights continuously for each example depending on what its output was. These weight values are mathematically applied to the input such that after each iteration the output prediction gets more accurate. To best understand this process we call training, let's build our own single layer neural network in Python using only numpy as our dependency and see. In our main function, we'll first initialize our neural network, which we'll later define as its own class. Then print out its starting weights for our reference when we demo it. We can now define our data set. We've got four examples. Each example has three input values and one output value. They're all ones and zeros. The T function transposes the matrix from horizontal to vertical, so the computer is storing the numbers like this. We'll train our neural network on these values so that, given a new list of ones and zeros, it'll be able to predict whether or not the output should be a one or zero. Since we are identifying which category it belongs to this is considered a classification task in machine learning we'll train our network on this data by using them as arguments to our train function as well as a number 10,000, which is the amount of times we'd like to iterate during training after it's done training we'll print out the updated weights so we can compare them and finally we'll predict the output given a new input We've got our main function ready, so let's now define our neural network class. When we initialize the class, the first thing we will want to do is seed it. We'll initialize our weight values randomly in a second and seeding them makes sure that it generates the same numbers every time the program runs. This is useful for debugging later on. We'll assign random weights to a 3 by 1 matrix with values in the range of negative 1 to 1 with a mean of 0, since our single neuron has 3 input connections and 1 output connection. Next we'll write out our activation function, which in our case will be a sigmoid. It describes an S-shaped curve. We pass the weighted sum of the inputs through it and it will convert them to a probability between 0 and 1. This probability will help make our prediction. We'll use our sigmoid function directly in our predict function, which takes input as parameters and passes them through our neuron. To get the weighted sum of our inputs, we'll compute the dot product of our inputs and our weights. This is how our weights govern the attention of how data flows in our neural net, and this function will return our prediction. Now we can write out our train function, which is the real meat of our code. We'll write a for loop to iterate 10,000 times, as we specified, then use our predict function to pass the training set through the network and get the output value, which is our prediction. We'll next calculate the error, which is the difference between the desired output and our predicted output. minimize this error as we train, and we'll do this by iteratively updating our weights. We'll calculate the necessary adjustment by computing the dot product of our inputs transpose and the error multiplied by the gradient of the sigmoid curve. So less confident weights are adjusted more, and inputs that are zero don't cause changes to the weights. This process is called gradient descent. Yeah, I'm descending that gradient. Oh. We'll also write out the function that calculates the derivative of our sigmoid, which gives us its gradient or slope. This measures how confident we are of the existing weight value and helps us update our prediction in the right direction. Finally, once we have our adjustment, we'll update our weights with that value. This process of propagating our error value back into our network to adjust our weights is called back propagation. Let's demo this baby in terminal. Because the training set is so small, it took milliseconds Train it. We can see that our weight values updated themselves after all those iterations, and when we fed it a novel input, it predicted that the output was very likely a 1. We just made our first neural network from scratch. Anyways, about backpropagation. I. Backpropagate to update weights. Backpropagate to update weights. Backpropagate to update weights. 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 Backpropagate to update weights. My ones and no's map to o's and ones Inputs go in, add weights, get sums Pass that shit to my sigmoid function Get that arrow, what's real in prediction And that's why I use gradient descent It gives direction and it doesn't pretend Update weights and repeat 10,000 times Outputs are lit, I'll be doing just fine So, as dope as Rosenblatt's idea was, in the decades following it, neural networks didn't really give us any kind of noteworthy results. They could only accomplish simple things, but as the World Wide Web grew from a CERN project to the massive nervous system for humanity that it is today, we've seen an explosion in data and computing power. And a small group of researchers funded by the Canadian government held fast to their belief in the power of neural networks to help us find solutions from this data. When they took a neural net and made it not one or two, but many layers deep, gave it a huge data set and lots of computing power, they discovered that it could outperform humans in tasks that we thought only we could do. This is profound. Our biological neural network is carbon-based, sending electrochemicals like acetylcholine, glutamate, and serotonin as signals. An artificial neural network doesn't even exist in physical space. It's an abstract concept we programmatically created and it's represented on silicon transistors. Yet despite the complete difference in mediums, they both developed a very similar mechanism for processing information, and the results show that. Perhaps there's a law of intelligence encoded into our universe, and we're coming ever closer to finding it. So to break it down, a neural network is a biologically inspired algorithm that learns to identify patterns in data. Backpropagation is a popular technique to train a neural network by continually updating weights via gradient descent. And when we train a many layer deep neural network on lots of data using lots of computing power, we call this process deep learning. The coding challenge winner for last week is Ludo Buan. Ludo made a really slick iPython notebook to demo not just 2D regression, but 3D regression as well on a climate change dataset, Wizard of the Week. And the runner-up is Amanullah Tariq. He completed the bonus with great results. The challenge for this video is to create a not one, not two, but three-layer feedforward neural network using just NumPy. Post your GitHub link in the comments, and I'll announce the winner in one week. Please subscribe, and for now, I've got to update my weights. So